Hi there. Welcome to the Bone and Bee Slash Cast. So excited that you're joining us for this great and hilarious conversation. <laughs> Today we're going to be talking about unexpected consequences and lessons in grace and decorum. It's a fun conversation. We get into some of the hilarity of um, sex scene writing and also give some insights into some of our feelings about the role of fan fiction overall. Plus, these are two great fics, and we highly recommend them. Uh, so hopefully you will read them and then come give us a listen. Also, Bone has so generously offered to send a prize to someone who can help us identify a fic that we could not remember the name of. So you'll have to give it a listen to find out if you know the name of that fic. And then you can email us at bone and b slash cast at gmail.com or come and find us on instagram at bone and b slash cast that's b-o-n-e and b-e-a slash cast on instagram so we would love to hear from you we always are looking for fix to read and review or any insights tropes topics you want us to cover we really welcome your thoughts and recommendations Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to episode number two of the Bone and Bee Slashcast. I'm Eta Milkbone. And I'm Bee Inspired. And today we're going to talk about two fics that uh, Bee read that I was supposed to read with her, but apparently I decided not to, which isn't <laughs> the whole story. But we'll just go with the fact that I left you on your own. So now our episode today is going to be about you telling me about these two fics, which I have read in the past, Mine. And then I've got some questions for you as we go along. Perfect. So do you want to just introduce the fics for us? Yeah, absolutely. So the first one is called Unexpected Consequences. And it came out in 2015. I'm looking at a downloaded copy, so I don't know how many kudos it has, but I know it's lots of kudos. It's, it's a well-received story. It's seven chapters, 39,000 words, and the summary goes like this. Harry was going back to school. He was going to play Quidditch, sleep in lessons, hang out with his friends, and generally just enjoy being a kid for a change. And he was also going to do it while being bonded with Malfoy because apparently life was just going to continue throwing curveballs at him. Harry didn't know why he expected anything different. So this fic came out first, and um, we'll come back and talk about it, but I think a lot of people will know this fic because of that picture, as it says in the disclaimer, which is a quite well-known piece of fanfic art. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's the one, it's got kind of a blue and green vibe to the overall picture. And we're looking at Malfoy's back and he's got his, um, his arm out with the dark mark. And then we're looking at Harry's front as he stands next to him holding Malfoy's arm and he's got his wand on the dark mark. And the there's like a swirl of green and like kind of cool it looks like a northern lights to me um thing kind of swirling off of the dark mark so i think a lot of people will know that picture and this is the fic that that picture um goes with so then the second story is lessons in grace and decorum this came out in 2019 so quite a bit you know unexpected is 2015 lessons is 2019 so quite a bit later it is inspired by and it is noted in the summary that it is inspired by um, unexpected consequences this one is 21 chapters 48,000 words almost 49,000 words and the summary for this one goes like this in Azkaban Narcissa Malfoy gives Draco lessons in how to manipulate people into loving him When Draco is released on the condition that he is bonded to Harry as his prisoner, he finally has a chance to put his newfound skills into practice. Forced bonding, Aether eventually, a Draco driven slightly mad by grief, a furious self-destructive Harry, a whole lot of angst, and a proportionate amount of comfort. Inspired by an excellent story called Unexpected Consequences by Lauren3210. And I should say this one, Lessons in Grace and Decorum, is by Gala Palisidia. I think is how you say that. Yeah, so. G- Gala Placidia, I think. Oh, there you go. Thank you. Yeah. 
So, I mean, to be honest, we're, we're talking about fan fiction authors' names and we still don't know how to pronounce Lomona Iron or whatever her <laughs> bloody name is. So, so you know, true. <laughs> we're trying our best out here, people. So true. <laughs> right. So, um, just to uh, follow up on what you said before about the kudos, the unexpected consequences of it currently stands at 7,492, whilst strangely enough in my humble opinion lessons only has 1294 can you believe yeah, that i can't actually i'm sort of surprised and we've talked in the past about how stories get such high kudos marks although lauren 3210 is not a name i'm familiar with so then um because sometimes i think it's like certain authors they put something out and everyone goes to read it because we all love those authors right rightfully so but mm -hmm. Um, but also I do think time, I mean, 2015 means that that story has had however many more years and it was April of 2015 that that came out. And then the, um, lessons in grace and decorum was December of 2019. So, um, it's had a significantly less time in the world, you know, not even Great. six months or whatever. So, or just about what, whatever month we're in now. <laughs> but just about that yeah. many months <laughs> so um yeah so I think that probably has a lot to do with it yeah this is true and it it does surprise me only in the fact to be honest that I think lessons is better but quite often I have to think exactly the way you just have where I look back at fix uh, and I look and I think well how come this has got so many likes this is shit but it's been out for 11 years so that's why it's got so many likes right it's just filtered people have just filtered in over 11 years to give them likes but it's quite amazing when you get a fic that's released like this year or in really recent times for whenever you're reading whenever you're seeing it and it's got thousands and thousands of likes and you're like where are these people getting their followers can i please join in like yes. the, i need <laughs> i need to know i need i need the secret where are these guys promoting their fits but anyway going back to lessons and unexpected i have a question for you straight off the bat yes if you want to hear what was your favorite well, it's interesting. So the first time I read these, I didn't read them back to back. I had read Unexpected Consequences, I think a long time ago. It was bookmarked um, with a flimsy note. We we know, um, well, Bone knows that I've been working on my bookmarks going back and trying to improve my notes because I oftentimes bookmark things with no notes or with a note that just says cute story or something, which is totally, <laughs> totally unhelpful later on. So I had read it and I liked it. And then when I was reading lessons, I, I had this kind of confusing experience because I was like, God, I feel like I have read this before. But then there was lots of it that I didn't remember. And that was very like discombobulating to me because I couldn't figure out what, like if I'd lost my mind or what was going on. So this time around, even when we were discussing what to do, you kept saying like, well, let's read these two together. And I kept being like, why is she putting them together? Like I just didn't. <laughs> I just didn't get it. Like, I didn't remember or realize <laughs> how closely connected they were. So this time I read them back to back in order, starting with Unexpected, moving on to Lessons. And it was, that was a fabulous experience. I highly recommend it to readers out there. Um, so I think ultimately at the end, I had a bigger emotional reaction to Lessons in Grace and Decorum. I think there's a little more depth there. But I don't want to discount the inspiration of unexpected consequences because there's also um, quite a bit of lovely things in unexpected consequences. And actually, um, if I may, Bone, tell a little bit of the story here. So we, so Bone had suggested we read these, and then we were getting ready to do them. And as Bone was looking over them, she was thinking that it contained a scene that she really was not feeling like she wanted to reread, and we couldn't figure out which story contained that scene and then um we sort of suspected based uh, off of like glancing over the fic that it was in lessons in grace and decorum so as i was reading unexpected i was i kept thinking like is that scene going to show up and as i got through it and realized that really um unexpected consequences has minimal angst it really it like once they turn the corner um and I should say, we're going to talk about spoilers here. So for sure, if you want to go read them and then come back and listen to the rest of this after you've read them, 
now would be a good time to stop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so in, in uh, Unexpected Consequences, you know, you have this kind of minimal period of time where Draco is being abused. That's both stories hinge on the concept that they're back at Hogwarts and um, Draco is, you know, can only have, there's a proximity aspect to the bond and he's kind of won, he can't do certain magic, but um, he doesn't have to take every class with Harry. Harry has arranged quite thoughtfully that he can take some of his own classes, but Harry has to escort him to and from these classes. So when the class is done or if Harry like forgets or is slow in getting from whatever class he was at to pick Malfoy up, Malfoy ends up with this kind of downtime after a couple of his classes. And so in both fix, we see people taking advantage of Draco standing there without Harry to protect him. And in unexpected consequences, this results in him being brought into a bathroom and being beaten frequently. So when we hit the turning point in unexpected, it's, it's, you know, Harry basically discovers that he's, had the shit kicked out of him that Draco has had the shit kicked out of him and then Draco is healed and you know accommodations are made for his safety and then um you know we kind of get this nice resolution and it's just it's the whole package is lovely read it's much more chill it's it's -hmm. exciting and interesting the love story between them is really dear it's it's sort of not I don't I'm not saying this insultingly but it's a simple story lessons it's like if if unexpected consequences is like a vanilla cake lessons is like got you know raspberry jam and cream buttercream frosting and and it has some rocks stuffed in it's a fucking rock cake from Hagrid now I'm telling you yes break your fucking teeth yeah what's that one in New Orleans like the the cake around Easter with like the little hidden golden kings and like the little hidden devils and things. Oh. It's like one of those cakes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so true. True that. It is. And actually you said about the difference in them. Sorry to interrupt if I'm interrupting. However, no, not at all. Um, when I went back and skimmed lessons and unexpected, one of the things that came up straight away in the beginning of lessons is the fact that Harry in that first scene comes in drunk mm-hmm. and we're introduced very early on to this quite adult Harry because now they're 18 really aren't they because they're in eighth year mm-hmm. quite an, quite an adult adult Harry and he's that kind of sets the tone for the fic and I think that makes a huge difference between unexpected and lessons because we have the introduction of somebody who's quite adult and then quite messed up. And as it goes on, like it talks a bit more about Harry, ha- Harry having a drinking problem as well. And I only bring this up because um, I think it does develop a personality, um, a characteristic sort of profile of all the characters, sets the tone for it, which Unexpected doesn't. And Unexpected for me was very much similar to how a lot of eight-year fics are. They're quite mm-hmm. flat, but they're quite cute. Mm-hmm. Whereas lessons doesn't lessons stressed me out like it really stressed yeah. me out but I think yeah. it has it applies you know I've told you this in the past that one of the first things when I first started reading fan fiction and I was reading a lot of Romani I it, it just as a, someone who had been a fan of canon for so many years and had read canon multiple times I honestly and this is ironic because of my professional life where I deal with people in trauma all the time it had just not occurred to me the amount of trauma really that the kids would have gone through and Mm -hmm. I think when we get eighth year fix or any sort of fic where it's like I I can see the scenario where they go back to Hogwarts like I get an eighth year concept and I don't I don't dispute that that could have been a thing but if they're just showing up and kind of hunky-dory it's it it, having read the trauma ones, because the reminding stories that I read, several of them really focused on the trauma and like PTSD and stuff. And mm-hmm. um, now it just rings a little untrue. And I think that Lessons has the complexity of Harry's drinking problem. And then this whole piece about Draco's mom. And, you know, we, so when you start uh, Lessons in Grace and Decorum, you are seeing Draco talked to Narcissa in Azkaban and she's telling him 
um, you know, for basically the first piece of advice she gives him is that, you know, if you want people to love you, then you have to ask, you know, be good at conversation and ask them a lot of questions and that don't talk about yourself, like really just focus on them. And, um, and then she asks him or she tells him, you must repent. No one will love you out there if you don't. And this idea of asking him over and over again, have you repented yet? Come, it goes throughout the whole thing. And I have to say the first time I read it, I was like, I don't, I'm not sure. I totally get this. He seems to have repented. Like his actions look like a person who feels bad. And, um, and then at the end, you, you, you understand why he feels like saying that he has repented is actually being disrespectful to his parents. And so it's this, this person, this, person who wrote this one is just has a really clear and deep understanding of um, emotional complexities because it's it's stunning to watch because as you realize and this is I mean it is a spoiler but it's not even very far into the fic when um, Harry shows up drunk at Malfoy's trial and gets all pissed because they're going to sentence Malfoy to a long you know like five years or something and um, and Harry's like, you know, basically, what the fuck? Like, this is the one guy I showed up to defend. Why? Like, why is no one listening to me? And he's being a total bastard, right? Like, he's yelling. I'm, look- <laughs> I'm looking at it now. He's yelling. I died for you, for all of you. And you have the gall not to trust my judgment. I mean, he's being kind of prick. <laughs> but it's not. It's like, shortly thereafter, they they decide on this bonding situation. And they, co- they go forward with it. And at, as they're leaving, he makes some sort of comment about, or Malfoy says, wait, I have to go back to Azkaban. I have to say goodbye to my mother. And the judge just looks at him flatly and says, your mother is dead. And mm. we get that. So that's, you know, how we learn that he's having, whatever conversations he's having are, is with himself. And that is mm. so fucking complex, right? It is, it, yeah. And I think it brings up really good things about like our own relationships with our moms, like how we, you know, you can kind of hear what your mom would say in your head, but over time, what Narcissa is telling Draco morphs, it mutates. And so it becomes less about things Narcissa would actually say and more about Draco's self-loathing. So it's it's really interesting to watch, you know, and he can even recognize at some point when he, when Narcissa says something to him, Draco thinks, God, my mom would not, you know, she wouldn't have really yeah. said that to me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Anyway, no, it's it's true. What I first thought about this fic when I first started reading it was that it was going to be a really twisted version of how to win friends and influence people. Mm-hmm. I genuinely thought that 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 was because one of the first chapters in that is ask a lot of questions. And so I thought, oh my God, here we go. Like this is going to be a real twist. Obviously, it didn't turn out to be. Uh, you know, twisted Harry Potter retelling of um, how to win friends and influence people, which I think I'm quite glad about. But Mm -hmm. what I really fucking loved about the whole thing with Narcissa is that she actually ended up being an antagonist in this, in this thing. And even from the beginning where she's schooling Draco into things that he should and shouldn't do. I was reading that and I was like, fuck off that is so cruel and you're so right though it is about his own reflection of self-loathing and Mm -hmm. you're right in terms of it being complex and it's beautiful because at the same time like we have all this other stuff going on as well um in unexpected (laughs) and in lessons there's um like the bond and stuff and that's quite an interesting take on a bond with the fact that they can't uh, sorry, where Draco can be told what to do by Harry. I believe that's mm-hmm. in both the fix, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. yeah, and in both fix, they Harry struggles to phrase things in such a way as to not be a a, a um, imperative statement. You know, as to not make force Draco to do it. So, and you see it a little bit more harshly in lessons. Whereas, like, I think in unexpected, it'll be things like kind of more casual like hey don't leave the house or something and Draco you know I, I can't remember which fic that happens in actually but a kind of command like that you'll see more frequently in Unexpected where it's like Harry's just you know kind of casually saying don't do a thing and Draco's thinking okay well now I really can't do it and there's one scene where he's quite worried that if there's a fire or something he's not allowed to leave and so Harry amends it to say okay you can leave if it's to save your own life kind of thing but in Lessons you see Harry struggling even more 
um, because he'll tell Draco, like, you can't think like that or something, which is a much more complex kind of command. <laughs> and Draco yeah. gets like, really, it's really befuddling to him because he's like, wait, but how, how am I not supposed to think? Like, and you can like, you, he doesn't articulate that. Harry will just see Draco's expression become really pained because of course, if he doesn't follow the directions, um, he's gets the cruciatus. So it's quite painful to not follow. So um yeah, the bond is complicated. And the other aspect of the bond is that they both, in both fix, there's a lack of clarity about how it's impacting their feelings about each other. And so um, let's talk about sex, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> um, so in Unexpected, yeah. you get this kind of you know, they're wanting, they're, they're admittedly attracted to each other. They're sort of, is this push pull between like, they, they, Harry, you'll hear from Harry's perspective, how he wants to be touching Draco. Harry's response to finding out that Harry's, that Draco's being harmed is quite intense. Um, And they're both kind of on some level on the same page. So here's a scene. um, I'll read a little bit to you where, uh, they're standing, uh, I think, in there in their rooms, and um, Draco is feeling. He, Harry's about to discover these wounds, and um, so it says their lips touched in a feather light brush, and Harry pulled away sharply, even as the rest of him yearned to get closer, deeper. Draco, we shouldn't. Draco groaned, the sound caught between frustration and want, and Harry felt the echo of it in his own body. I know you want to. I've seen it. And I know it's only about the bond, but I want it to. God, I want it so much. This is Draco speaking. And they're, in that scene, we're seeing they're both acknowledging that the bond, they believe, and they sort of seem to be on the same page that the bond is impacting these feelings that they're having for each other. So then later, when this... Um, you know, really serious aggression becomes discovered and the way they settle it is to get rid of the bond, get, yeah, get rid of the bond. They kind of both assume then that that means that they're not going to like each other anymore. And they, and they then force each other to spend time away and they, there's a lot of fighting and it's, it's a much more complicated thing, you know? Um, mm. Whereas in, I mean, it's complicated, but then they, ultimately Hermione you know kind of of course clever Hermione gives the explanation that helps them understand that yeah the bond might have been smoothing the path but it's not it's not the end all be all you know yeah Mm -hmm. in lessons it's a much more aggressive thing all around because of the ways in which Draco is being abused and because of the level of affection that they develop for each other and the so what happens in in lessons is that someone imperious is Harry when he's drunk at the bar and gets... just after they've had their first kiss as well right yes oh and it's so yeah. cute I know. And, and um and so once Harry's imperious then they tell Harry to um basically give them I don't remember the guy's name it's not a very major character um Stephen. Stephen, yes okay so they get him to he gets harry to give Stephen the same rights um to command draco as harry has so now draco has to follow everything Stephen says as well and he sets up a very complex scenario where draco has to be rude to harry if harry ever even asks about what's going on with Stephen. And Stephen makes it seem like he and Draco are dating. And I mean, the whole thing is a mess. And you can see in Draco's uh, mind, right? Yeah. He's really, it's really complicated. But we also know, as you pointed out, um, you know, Harry's struggling. He's not in good shape. He's drinking a lot. He's feeling really out of sorts. Ron and Hermione are together. He's feeling a little bit left out. And um, so when Draco starts being a shit to him, he believes it, you know? Yeah. And it's a really good way of building angst as well, because it should be so cute. If you've read Unexpected Consequences, yes, they have the angst and that develops the way it develops. But as you said, it's a, it's not as complex. It's not as uh, layered, that fic, which is nice. If you just want a good read with some angst, Unexpected is definitely one to read. Mm-hmm. But with um, with lessons like the, the, the angst that comes in, oh, to be honest, 
I'm just so salty about that bloody bit with with uh, Stephen in the bar. Like, it pisses me off so much that I've just completely forgotten what I was going to say. It's, it, well, that no, I, I do kind of know. Like, it's so it's so sweet. Like their their relationship is growing and it's so sweet. And then that bit in the bar happens because you've been waiting. You've been waiting for that first kiss this this whole time, and then it happens and then they're they're in the shit aren't they and for chapters and chapters in this fic you have to watch this Stephen asshole just take command of draco and he can't say anything to harry he can't say anything and it really fucking sucks like i'm really really not happy about it but i'm i'm so in love with the concept when i say i'm not happy i mean it's it's working the fic is actually working on me it's doing what it's supposed to do which is why, in my opinion, Lessons is so much better than Unexpected, mm-hmm. primarily for for that. Um, yeah, the Bond and stuff is very, very, very clever. Um, but there was something it else is. as well I just wanted to kind of, like, ask you as well about, like, the, the beating up and stuff if we're kind of talking about the Bond being abused by Stephen. Mm-hmm. There is this trope in quite a lot of fics, uh, especially eighth-year fics, where Draco is beaten up by somebody... Mm-hmm. Quite often, Zachariah Smith, who is in unexpected <laughs> consequences, the antagonist. Uh, but uh, why why are they popular? Why do we react well to fix where Draco's being beaten up? Hmm. I mean, maybe it just brings everybody back to the triumphant moment where Hermione punched him. You know, in the True. in the yeah. uh, Prisoner of Azkaban. But I I don't know exactly. I mean, I think people like. We all like, well, any dreary reader likes a, rede- a redeemed Draco on some level. And, yeah. um, but maybe part of us feeling satisfied by his redemption is that he's, de- you know, we get some like down and out, even if it's just a, a momentary down and out of being beaten up. But yeah, I don't really know. I actually don't, um, I don't love to see, I certainly don't love to see a beaten up Draco unless it's coupled with a, protective harry <laughs> and then i'm like Absolutely. Oh, okay harry come to the rescue but if we're just gonna watch drago get the shit kicked out of him that's not really gonna do much for me you know but that, i do think that's not a slap that's not a slash fic that's just somebody reading something that's psych psychopathic isn't it like, right yeah it's just yeah. yeah although you yeah, know we sure. did in the one um loma loma story <laughs> the one that you're much better pronouncing than i am i but... think it's lomo and i iron but i'm not entirely sure lomo if you're out there please feel free to just email us it's uh it's going to be slash cast at gmail.com and uh you can you can let us know anyway sorry please um, go on, but in that one we see like i mean there there's that one and then we've also both read um another pairing of six which we should probably talk about together which with has the koala scorpius and the um where they're both coming out of abused relationships but um ah, yes but there's another one as well sorry to interrupt you but i've made a note of it so i have to say um otherwise i'll, I'll have let myself down because I, I did a good thing i remembered something so <laughs> um pure blood cut there's a pure blood custom for that and that fix starts with draco being abused in the street doesn't it that yes. harry sees him outside yes. is it he's outside the uh, Weasley's Wizarding Weezes. Yeah. And Draco's being spat on. And he's got his son there. He's got his like son oh, there. No. And, and Harry and Harry saves him. And they end up having this this thing together. So I think it does really start to set a tone of how the fit's gonna go because Absolutely. we want Draco to be saved. But in a way, I suppose as well, it throws them in the path of each other. Mm-hmm. And and it's just sweet, isn't it? It's damsel in distress, I suppose. It is. I like it. I I like it. But I do, I will say that I also really like it when Draco saves Harry. You know, there's, I mean, there's a great, that huge, Mm. um, huge fic, and I'm not going to be able to think of the the name of it right now. It's a three-part fic. It comes from, um, it's like, it's about, it primarily is about Thestral's. And, um, but anyway, Harry's a heroin addict in the beginning and um, is, is like basically found half dead and Draco's the one who finds him. And, you know, they kind of, they end up going out to the woods outside of Hogwarts and, and being in hiding there. And 
Um, we'll figure out the name and we'll put it in the te- in the description. Actually, if somebody knows the name, if somebody listening to this actually knows the name, and they want to email us or oh, like find brilliant. us and just give it, then I'll send I'll send you a present. The first person who does it, you can email bonaby/cast at gmail.com and I will send you a present from England. That's so, a lo- that's a lovely offer. I can attest to the fact that. Bone is good about sending presents from England because I have received a couple. <laughs> so she'll follow through <laughs> on that. Um, but it you, actually, rate, you actually received some with like with a DM heart HP little note on it, didn't you? I did, you, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway, so I, I like it both ways, you know, when they're either one is saving the other. There's something to me that is really lovely to see a Draco who is functional and I think you know who has kind of done the work to to take care of himself but also to reform himself or reflect on himself or whatever that is very satisfying without Harry having to be the one the only person to see his positive attributes so at any rate in this case I think that we get that in lessons I think Draco very much whether it's his imaginary version of Narcissa or what that's that's doing it, it he is very much working on himself and the and the crux of his issue is how can he um forgive himself without then shifting the blame of his actions to his parents who he has said he has already forgiven so he's kind of carrying the labor or carrying the burden of all of the of the badness himself mm-hmm. um because if he if he says he himself feels um you know, remorse, then he feels like he would, it would naturally shift it. And I'm not even, I don't even necessarily think that that is true, but I think it's a really, again, really complex emotional read on the situation, which I very much appreciate and enjoy. Well, interesting that you say that, the the shifting the blame to the parents. I am so in love with a fic that does that because it makes it so easy for us to see Draco as uh, faultless in the mm-hmm, war mm-hmm. but in interesting about that it's really made me think that the fix where draco takes responsibility are rarer i think mm-hmm. and next week we're going to be talking about the man who lived and that is a draco who takes responsibility mm-hmm. for his actions and deals with them as well so yeah it's a really good plot point to make draco because it makes him adult as well it's yeah like he knew what he was doing it makes him adult and Pairing that with Harry, who seems to just run in and sectum semper anyone he doesn't fucking like, yeah. then it, does, <laughs> it does change the perspective a little bit of of the uh, places, the journey, places that they're in in their journeys, which is great to read because we want that. We want the development of you know of characters and going back to unexpected versus lessons, the development of characters is what sets these apart. Like mm-hmm. you said, with having that complexity, that multi-layered approach to how Draco's feeling and why he's feeling it mm-hmm. sets lessons apart. I remember when I read them and I read Unexpected and I gave it an Eat a Milk Bone review, I don't know, if like eight out of ten. And then I read Lessons in Grace and Decorum. I remember texting you at like four <laughs> o'clock my time in the morning when I couldn't sleep because I just had to read it mm-hmm. on a school night. <laughs> no, no doubt. I was, I was supposed to be up early the next day, not to go to school because I'm, I'm not that cool anymore, a bit old for that. But uh, I texted you and I was like, it's a 12 out of 10. And that was the first time we broke the email <laughs> phone review system. <laughs> so true. And it has stated, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so I've got, I've got another question for you about uh, lessons. Yes. You ready? I'm ready. Ginny, Ginny Weasley. Mm. Oh, yes. Mm. What do we reckon about that, that relationship? Well, so I have to say, um, I, sometimes when I'm reading a fic, I'm sure this will come up a lot as we talk about fics. Some fics, if there's too much friend involvement and there's all of these get togethers with, you know, pizza movies or whatever, then I think in my mind, I oftentimes think this must be a younger writer who is either really has this life and loves this life where they hang out with their friends all the time and the friends are constantly up in each other's every moment and business and everything. Or it's someone who 
longs for that and wishes that that was their life. And so they're writing it into existence. So I can, I can be a little bit critical about an overly um, kind of friend embedded fic. That being mm-hmm. said, I think that Ginny's presence in lessons versus the isolation that Harry and Draco experience in Unexpected is key, absolutely key to Draco's character development, to the development of their relationship, and ultimately to Draco's healing. I think Ginny is Mm -hmm. essential in lessons. And I love, love the way that it gets developed. I mean, it's so dear after Draco is healing from the abuse that he's been enduring, which is quite a bit more intense. He spends several, several days in St. Mungo's. when he's healing from it, Ginny is the one who is there. She's the one who sleeps, you know, uses the invisibility cloak to sleep with him. I love that it's not Harry. I love that there's this other mm-hmm. friend who's there to support. And as Draco gets better, he spends more time with Jin and Luna shopping and going out into the world. You know, once the public is led is allowed to believe that he's not bonded to Harry anymore and he can do that. And I think that that is so important. Um, to show him developing a friendship outside of, I mean, his relationship with Harry is very intense. There's no doubt that they're very connected, not, I don't mean that in the bond sense of the word, but I mean like in intimately emotionally connected with each other. But I think it's mm-hmm. really powerful in this fic that Jin um, plays such a strong ally role. Agreed. And it's so interesting that it is Ginny because Ginny and Malfoy tend to have some sort of, angst between them quite often in fix harry's either left Ginny for draco or Ginny's hung up on the fact that he's a malfoy and obviously what happened in the past she tends to be quite aloof and distant from him whereas hermione and luna tend to accept draco and sometimes be very loving and caring towards him so this fic was very standout for me in terms of how this writer put those two characters together so friend like so friendly and you're so right in terms of characters that have friends are great but stories where it takes too much energy away from or narratives that sorry always say narratives that have too much friendship scenes in them can really take away from the romance unless that is the the driving force there's there's the one that never kissed gryffindors or something like that where everyone's kissed harry except draco oh, i don't think i've read that the... oh i had to send it to you i'll make a note send the kissing thick okay that's on my <laughs> that's on my thing now um yeah you're so right and i i don't like fix myself where it's all about the uh, how to say it's all about the characters becoming an emotional crutch for the writer. So as you said, maybe they do hang out with all these people all the time, but generally they're probably not. Mm-hmm. And I'm probably, you know, I'm probably writing things myself about you know, emotional crutches. I mean, there's, there's a lot of weird stuff that happens in my fix. So maybe that's telling people a lot about me. Right. So I'm saying this with, with a uh, pinch of salt. So it's great to have stories where characters have other people apart from Harry and Draco you know they're not just together all the time but sometimes yes it can be used to to pepper a fic that it just becomes way weighing it down yeah and I I think it speaks to I mean I'll speak to just my own personal experience I remember uh when I was in my 20s being like early 20s being in a relationship and at some point I was telling my boyfriend what um, someone had said about an issue that he and I were having and he was kind of like why are they chiming in on this you know like mm. what does this and I look back on that now and I think well I personality wise I was the type of person who and I still am to this day someone who easily talks about anything like I'm not, I don't have really very many secrets really any I mean I, I, I try to be appropriate to the situation but you know I don't have anything I wouldn't tell somebody so Um, and, and I think, I do think that that's part of that. If you're, if you're coming out of, especially if you're 
um, in, you know, in high school and college and you are spending all of your time with these people, I think it is, it is part of the thing to have to be telling people all kind of aspects of your life and to have them be involved in all kind of aspects of your life. And I think that part mm-hmm. of the transitioning into like adult, more mature relationships is that all, of course you still speak with your friends about what's going on. They still play a a consultating role on some level but the primary decision making should be happening within the pairing <laughs> and when True. we see fix where it's really feels like there's there's actually a, a couple fix that I like there's that um have like a fake dating scenario and in one of them it turns out that it's like elaborately been planned by I think Pansy and Hermione and and Draco. And I love this fic. I really do. But there's lots of scenes where the friends are so kind of involved that I'm like, uh, it gives me a little bit of an eye roll because I'm like, this is, this makes that relationship overall feel more high school-y because Mm -hmm. in your adult life, you tend to have a lot less involvement of your friends in every moment of your romantic lives, you know? True. That's very, very true. And I found as well that some fics just overuse the tropes that have been set down a decade ago, where it's Ron hates Malfoy. And so there has to be this big discussion. And then Hermione has to come in and discuss this and discuss that. Pansy's doing this. Pansy's doing that. It's like, we've already read that, mate. Like We mm-hmm. read that in in 2011. Like, why, why are we still hearing that stuff now we want something new we want something stronger however some fix just know how to do that and I cannot remember the name of it but there's there's the scene where Harry has broken up with Draco over something and Draco is in bed and Blaze and oh Pansy, Pansy. And yes oh I love yeah. that scene and what they come and they that? get into bed with him and hold him. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. But there's a bit of artwork that's quite new, I think, as well, by this um, this artist. And I think it's like the snapshots as if they've been taken on a phone. And I will link like these in the descriptions as well, so people can go and, go and see it. But it's one where Draco's being held by Pansy and then Pansy's being held by somebody else and somebody else is holding her and they're just all in this little Slytherin line of cuddles and it's so cute because so often as well we just imagine Slytherins as being really harsh and Pansy's always Mm -hmm. this like you know lipstick lesbian hard ass and Blaze is always really cool and aloof and so on and so forth but actually fix that can make them multi-dimensional have actually layers and some Zaz to them yeah i'm up for that so well and i think that when that happens like in turn in turn they do it really well because their mm-hmm. friends are such a part of the life but right they're also they also fit properly so they it's like when they go out on new year's eve they have a purpose they have a setting in which the friends are around yeah it's not always just all on top of each other so right. I, yeah i agree with you and I think it brings up a really interesting point about like what is the role and purpose of fan fiction, because I think, like, you know, on the one hand, obviously it's an art form and it's it it we want it it to be good so that readers can enjoy it. I which mm-hmm. I of course celebrate, and that's kind of the whole point of what we're doing here, right? Is talk about the fan fictions that we've really enjoyed and kind of comment on the yeah. ones that we didn't enjoy as much. Um, but I also want to just what about really... ones that we we love to hate like Raiden yes the ones we love one? to hate as okay. well for sure um, sorry go. but I, I do want to honor the fact that writing shitty fan fiction is still okay <laughs> like if if the person <laughs> if the person is writing something to get through some sort of emotional experience I think that's part of what the fandom is for right like it, it it's awesome when they're desire to write something and what they've created brings joy or emotion or you know all the feelings that we get from reading it or all the different like thoughts we can have about life beyond canon or or you know whatever um but I also think I just want to honor that it is at, at broadly speaking an art form fan art fan fiction that allows people to process their own feelings and their own mm-hmm. experiences through a familiar set of characters you know as someone who has who has taught writing for 20 years I can tell you that 
when I started allowing students to do fan fiction for various short stories, the writing improved immensely because I think wow. they just felt so much less pressure to start from scratch. And it allowed the um, emotional experience was much deeper. The, the whole thing was, it, it just produced much, much better writing. So I, I well, I, I, and I'm just sort of throwing that out there because I think a lot of listeners might think like, or might be writers or might be uh, readers who read something and think, well, it wasn't like the best story from a written perspective, but emotionally it really spoke to me. And I think that that's still awesome, <laughs> you know? Um, <laughs> like I've said to you before, you know, sometimes when I read these fics, I think, well, this is just, it screams to me of like a lonely queer kid who's just writing the world that they hope for into existence until they can get out of that yeah. small town where they're trapped and into the, yeah. you know, it gets better portion of their life. And I think, fucking A, go, man, you do that. If that is saving you right See, now, you do it. Yeah. See, when you told me that, it, it really put into perspective for me that there are a lot of people out there that exactly follow that formula. They find it easy to express themselves with the characters that have already been set down, have no problem with that. I think it's a wonderful thing. I've definitely done it. I read stuff that helps me express things that I'm going through as well. But, but, but here's a milk bone just going to come in and just be like, well, I have an opinion, right? So I have an opinion on this and it's mm -hmm. a big one. My opinion is that uh, there is a difference between the queer kids who write every character is gay and they're expressing their lives and they're doing so with real heart. And then the fan fiction authors who are a bit more seasoned, who just write stuff that is absolute wank because there are, you can tell the difference. There's fix out there that are written by people who just don't give enough of the shit to, for it to be good enough, right? To really hit, to go over that, that stumbling block to get us to the point where we really feel something, we really understand their writing. That, those kind of fix piss, piss me off. But the one where everyone's like gay and they're having a great time, or you can tell that it's just somebody who's new to writing, they're fresh, they're, they're putting their lives on paper that's good doesn't necessarily need to be a great fic but those fics are really good and then in the middle of that we have the raiden fic it's just completely <laughs> in the middle it exists in its own world somewhere and i can't remember the name of that damn fic but anyway i think that's my for, opinion yeah i think for me the most frustrating ones are the ones that have such moments of brilliance and such good writing and then don't are inconsistent and that is where, because I can see both, like you're saying, I can see the writer that's really writing for, like is a writer in the in the sense of both Harry mm -hmm. Potter world and also they probably are writing independent, you know, uh, creations. And many we know mm -hmm. leave the fanfic world because they become published authors of their own works. So those writers, their stories are amazing and awesome and we love to read them. And then there's the reader, the writer who, as you point out, it's like, I read it. And um, mm. again, I've done that professionally for a long time. So I immediately can catch the things that make me feel like, oh, this is a, a younger person or someone very fresh to writing. Um, yeah. And so that, you know, that's on that end. But in the middle, for me, there's that piece where it's like, man, they have some brilliant ideas and some of their phrasing is glorious and some of their phrasing really misses the mark. And I, we, I know we read one together where we were like sort of struggling with that and then were able to determine it was not a native English speaker. So of course, in that case, yeah. I'm super impressed and very mm -hmm. like, I mean, forgiving feels even egotistical to say, like I'm just amazed and impressed because I'm certainly not writing anything in any other language. But if, if they are a native writer and then it's like, well, you could have with a little bit of editing you could have really made this a much better story. Kind of to your point, Bone, about if you just would have kicked it up a notch, this could be great. <laughs> and you didn't. Well, that's, and that's annoying. <laughs> well, it's, it, it's, there's so many things that can go wrong when you're writing a fan fiction. You can not know the characters and not knowing the canon is what's going to put you right in the middle there where it's your shit. I just shouldn't say that, actually. <laughs> where where it's going to say that like you haven't paid attention to detail right. and that that is the bit that, that really upsets me when you get characters who are so out of character that it's i mean your teeth are rotting 
out of your head because it's like you're you're grinding your teeth so much going but draco would never say that and dumbledore doesn't fly like what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> and then you so people who don't pay attention that really gets my goat uh, that would probably be the main main thing but then when they put them in absolutely ridiculous situations there is no reflection i have been guilty of this so Eat Milk Bone's going to put her hands up now and just say, I, I've been guilty of this, so I'm saying this with a lot of heart. But when people write fics and publish them without even spending any time to go back and reread them, and that's where the problems, mm. I think, generally come in. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, you're my beta, and uh, we work together in that respect. So I have improved. <laughs> I've become a bit of a better... But still, when people just throw things out there without having had anyone look over it or haven't looked over it themselves, you get that same problem. But yeah. not knowing the fucking canon will get me every time, unless you're, and I've remembered the name and I think I'm saying this right, Vitere, a saccharine affliction. That's the Raiden fic. Mm. That fic <laughs> takes everyone so out of character that it's its own story and it's brilliant. And I said it time and time again, if you haven't read the story, Go and read it because it is fucking fantastic. As in all of the descriptions of the podcast that we do, it will be linked because I want people <laughs> to read it. I want her to get so many likes and stuff that she can't, she doesn't know what's going to happen. Anyway, but yeah, so in that middle zone where people just write stuff that's completely out of character and out of the canon. Yeah, I can't, I don't, I don't like it, don't want it. But then you get these fix that like lessons that just uh, uh, accentuates what was already there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, unexpected does as well. Yeah, they both do, does. and I think, yeah, I think they're both worth reading. I I highly recommend people um, try them back to back and see what they mm-hmm. think. Even if you've read them both before in your in your life, like I had, if, if it's been a while, um, even with what we've talked about here, the writing is very good in both cases there's Mm -hmm. there's not um there's nothing about the writing that i would go in and like nitpick about phrasing or pacing or any of that i think in both cases it's really good and actually it's good on the level where all of my notes you know as i was reading i was like making notes on the text and all of my notes are about the story and not about the writing because the writing is not distracting which i think is the mark of a really solidly written fic right is that you're focused Mm -hmm. on what's happening and not on the writing itself so yeah it it's so true like if you get a bit of writing that's just like the structure and the grammar is really bad and then maybe well we do we talk about the internal monologuing stuff and mm-hmm. that is just too much you know i'll close a story on things like that i just wanted to point out that also descriptions of things will distract me from the story big time mm. and the one that mm-hmm. comes the, <laughs> the one that comes to mind is the dilated entrance did i tell you about dilated <laughs> entrance yes you did <laughs> oh my god yeah if nobody knows what i'm talking about then uh, a dilated entrance was one author's description of harry's well fucked asshole <laughs> <laughs> yep yep and this was in a lucius harry fic it was you know not uh not underage or non-con or anything this was a consensual scene between the two characters and i can't get over it b i can't think about it every day (laughs) think about it every day even my friends who don't read fan fiction who don't even know i had to text them and say dilated entrance what the fuck I woke I woke my partner up. He was sleeping next to me when I read it. I woke him up. I was like, "Hey, baby, dilated entrance." Like, <laughs> what the fuck? But we're gonna have a whole episode on the things that oh. people use to describe genitalia. That's gonna come up at some point. Oh my god! Yeah, I also I, if you know, somewhere down the line, I want to get some people to try uh, to reenact, not literally, and no actual like pornography but so, uh, you know because I swear when I read some of these sex scenes I'm like do can they are they floating like how are they <laughs> holding themselves up and I read them thoughtfully I, I I'm taken to a, a teacher that I knew once who would do this activity where the, the kids had to write a speech about how to 
you know, like an instructional speech. And so they would have them write about how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And then they would bring in peanut butter and jelly and, and bread and they would follow the directions. And if the director you know, <laughs> said like, cause the bread would be unsliced. So if it just said, take a piece of bread, they'd like tear off the bread and then put on peanut butter. They'd set the, set the jar on top of that chunk of bread or whatever. So when I think about how hilarious <laughs> it would be to try to like actually have people, you know, in like yoga clothes, act out some of these sex scenes where it's like his hand is on his head he's caressing his butt he's holding his toes he's sucking on his nipple i'm like how is he doing that how is that happening all at the same time what the fuck <laughs> oh my god it's so true that that I, I mean i um make no secret about it like i read and watch a lot of porn i mean to be honest they say that slash fan fiction is porn written for well, at least way back in the 70s when Henry Jenkins was doing his thing on it, it was porn written for women, by women for women. Obviously, you know, the world of gender has opened up a lot since then. But fan fiction, for the most part, has a pornographic element to it that's quite strong. Okay. Mm-hmm. So let's say that I read and I write and I watch a lot of porn. So having watched a lot of porn, I don't understand how writers can't write sex all you need to do is go on Pornhub find a find a video you like and just write what they're doing yeah that's all you need to do but I mean some the other thing as well where they're where they're uh where they nibble on assholes I mean I I mean I don't I've never seen that anywhere like where you bite an asshole I don't know how it's possible like I don't yeah I I don't get it and that happens all the time all the time in in fan fictions and stuff so that that kind of uh gets my goat a little bit but I've I've written a lot of fan fiction that is based on porn films as well and sadly I don't have them the films anymore so I can't show anybody Mm. (laughs) by the way this podcast is is definitely explicit if you've got this far and you're a child fuck off just go away (laughs) true true um, the other thing this podcast is, is long. We should wrap up and let's uh, just assure everybody there is lots of future conversation about various porny things that we read and character development and stories that we love and love to hate. So um, if you have something you yeah. want us to read, if you want to send us an email, um, Bone will remind us all of our email address here at the end. But if you want to send us something to our email we would love to hear from you we would love to review something whether it's yours or somebody else's um yeah yeah absolutely 100 percent. just send us all the things as we said in previous episode we'd really like all the fan art we'd like the fix we'd like your opinions as well as i said if you can name that fic then email me or us shall i say and whoever gets it first will get a prize i'm not even going to tell you what it is but it will be from britain so basically it'll be from the land of harry potter and you cannot you cannot not want to do that i mean come exactly. on i might even yeah i'll send you something nice so uh just to confirm then that our email address is bone slash cast at gmail.com that will be in the description as well we We're have an instagram I... yes go ahead oh, that's yeah, what sorry. i was gonna say no you go you go Oh, okay. Oh, um, yeah. So the Instagram is bone and be slash cast, I believe. Um, yeah. Have I got it right? I, I think got so. it wrong. <laughs> I think it's right. I think it's right. We'll put it in yeah. the link either way. All of it. All of it. Yeah. So um, next next podcast is going to be on the man who lived. So if you haven't read that, then go and read it because it's phenomenal. And B will be grilling me on on that next time. So I look forward to being under the microscope for that one. Um, as always, take care, enjoy fan fiction, and wear a condom. <laughs> <laughs> episode i say that there's going to be a competition and the first person to write in to tell me the name of that fig will get a prize but in that time since recording and coming to edit i realized that i could actually get the stakes up a little bit higher so the more people who write in to tell me the name of the fig give a guess the better the prize is going to be and we're going to go on an eat a milk bone scale so it will either be a prize of 
one, which will still be really good because, I mean, it's coming from Britain, right? And then it could go all the way up to, you know, eat a milk bone review, exceptional out of 10. It's up to you guys to help spread the word about this competition. So please do tell your friends on Tumblr and Reddit and Discord, anywhere that you discuss slash fan fiction. We cannot wait to get this podcast out to more of the community. We love fan fiction. We love slash fan fiction. We are so grateful to be part of this community. So share, 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 up the stakes, bankrupt me. Let's get a really good prize going for our first competition. Can't wait to announce the winner. That will be on the 9th of August. So please do make sure that you get your entries in by the 7th. I will be selecting winners randomly. I'll put it in a thing on the internet and somebody's name will be drawn randomly. I love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Stay magical.